all things, he might have the preeminence. So if we're willing to put Christ first, if we're willing to make him the Lord of our lives, if we're willing to deny ourselves in this life, deny ourselves some of the comforts, some of the pastimes, even suffer, need be, that we fulfill our ministry as a good witness of Jesus Christ in taking his name to lost men. We can know a more abundant life. I'm going to try to prove it to you by the scriptures. Now before we go any farther, I'd like you for you to go with me to the 6th chapter of the book of Hebrews. I'd like to take you there and show you the seriousness of which God makes a promise. It is written there in the 6th chapter of the book of Hebrews, beginning at the 13th verse. For when God making promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, Multiplying, I will multiply thee. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath or confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it with an oath, that by two immutable things, which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Here we learn that our hope, anchor of our soul, is the fact that we have God's promise, that we believe in God's promise. We believe in the promise of eternal life. We believe in the promises, the sweet promises that God has made us of a more abundant life if we're faithful. Before, again, before we go further, I'd like for you to go with me to the old Bible, to the book first, the book of Exodus. I'd like to show you there, God speaking of his covenant people, children of Israel, the seed of Abraham, the nation which he brought up out of the land of Egypt, uh, concerning his promises to them, we read in the 23rd chapter of the book of Exodus, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way, and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him, and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for I will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice, do all that I speak, and I will be an enemy to unto thine enemies, and an adversary to thine adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee, bring thee into, into the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, 
and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works. Thou shalt utterly overthrow them, quite break down their images. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and ye shall bless thy bread, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from thee, midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs upon thee. I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate, and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. Little but by little and little will I drive them out from before thee, until thou be increased and inherit the land. Again from the book of Deuteronomy, the seventh seventh chapter. Reading from the seventh verse. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath, oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to them that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep thee unto thee the covenants and the mercies which he swore unto thy fathers. He will love thee, bless thee, and multiply thee, but also bless the fruit of thy womb, the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep in the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people, therefore shall not, there shall not be male or female barren among you, or among your cattle. The Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. The Lord gave these precious promises to the children of Israel, the covenant people, which he gave the law to, that Mount Sinai had led them forth out of the wilderness after he had brought them out with a high hand from the land of Egypt. He reminded them, of his faithfulness, of his promises, and of his faithfulness, you can read your Bible. You'll find that God made all these promises good. God has never spoken a promise that he has broken. God will fulfill all his promises to us. So be 
confident as you go with me to the scriptures as we talk about God's promises to the seed of Abraham. Seed of Abraham by faith. Our God made, as I said, two promises to Abraham. He made a promise that he would multiply him as a nation. He did this. And he became as the sands of the sea, innumerable, and as the stars of the sky, which cannot be numbered. Only 70 people went down into Egypt, some two and a half million, or maybe more came forth out of Egypt. God brought them out with a high hand. He gave them these promises and he kept his promises. He blessed them. God has promised the seed of Abraham which believe in him. Another promise unto Abraham he made, and in all in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Shall all the peoples of the earth be blessed. Whatever color, every creed, every language, every family. God has promised to bless these. We can expect that when we get to heaven, that we'll enjoy the company. We'll enjoy worship, worship of our Lord amongst the people of every nation, of every language, under the sun. The book of Galatians, we're told specifically that this seed which was promised us Seed that was promised to Abraham, he saith unto thee, not of seeds as a many, but of thy seed which is Christ. And we really we read in the book of Galatians 3, 26, that we're all the children of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. So the second promise that was promised to Abraham, we are the seed of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. So I want, to, I want you to go with me to some places in the Bible where this seed, where we as God's people who have received him by repentance toward God and faith in Christ are the seed of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. The promises that are made to us. Will you believe me when I tell you that we as children of God are promised happiness in this life, whatever our state. When we keep the Lord's precepts and commandments, go with me to the, to the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. There we read, beginning with the first verse, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Happy are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye 
when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. <coughs> we're not forgetting the fact the Lord's people shall suffer persecution in this life. Over the book of Second Timothy, chapter 3 and verse 12, we read, Yea, and all of a little godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. <coughs> We're not forgetting that it might be in the mind of God to try us with a fire trial, even as it did Job. But Peter tells us that we should count this all joy. When we're tried with fiery trials, the paradox of Christianity is this fact. God's people can be happy even in the midst of tribulation and persecution. We are exhorted in the scriptures to be happy and to be joyful because of the great and precious promises that God has made us. Will you hear our beloved brother Paul as he writes in the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians? Beginning at verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these. So the scripture exhorts us to be joyful, even in the midst of persecution. But believe me when I tell you, by the authority of God's word, that we can be happy in, in the service of the Lord in the midst of persecution, in the midst of fire trials, in the midst of trouble, or whatever it may be. The security of the believer has been prepared for my brethren who do not have the assurance of salvation. I've titled it, Jesus Said, I Am the Door. My brother, you say you have been saved that you know the Lord. Yet you say you believe you can apostatize and be lost. I'm sorry to hear you say this, because to me it means that you have minimized what the Lord has done for you, that you do not have the assurance of salvation, which you confess. If you love the Lord, I know what you love to read his word and meditate upon his precepts and commandments. What the Lord taught is our doctrine. It teaches us. 
It does not have many interpretations. It has one interpretation. His word is what our faith is based on. Jesus said one day to some Jews who followed him, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8:32. He had already given them the truth. John 5:24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. When one repents of his sins, and claims the blood of Christ Jesus for his atonement, according to John 5:24, and many companion scriptures, he has everlasting, eternal security. Maybe we should draw a line for you between your salvation or eternal security and the assurance of salvation. I'm taught by the scriptures that salvation is an objective fact. That assurance of salvation is a subjective experience. You have believed his word for salvation. Will you study his word further for the sweet assurance of eternal security? The security of the believer is not in the realm of his experience. It is independent of his feelings. The assurance of salvation is truly an experience. It is an inner feeling and confidence that a right relationship exists between the soul and God. With a motive of love, I offer you the following argument for the security of the believer. Salvation is of the Lord. When you were saved by repenting toward God and believing in Christ, God worked the miracle of the new birth through the Spirit a new creature was born. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, after you were saved, you begin to notice that you love some things you once hated and hated some things you once loved because you were a new creature. Of course, you were still in the old house, but you begin immediately to mortify the deeds of the body. Romans 8 and 13, we read, But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Christ tried to simplify somewhat for Nicodemus the doctrine of the dual nature of man when he told him that night of his visit, recorded in John 3 and 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We must conclude then that we have a new creature born of the spirit, born of God, Housed in a corruptible tabernacle of clay. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 50 we read, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. I make no claim for the flesh, but I say unto you, using God's word as my authority, that the creature that is born of God is incorruptible. In 1 Peter 1 and 18, 19 through 23, we read this. 
For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Now this thoroughly qualifies the statement we find in 1 John 3 and 9. There we find these words, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Also, will you please read Paul's argument in the seventh chapter of Romans, his conclusion about the warfare that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. Verses 21 and 22 we read, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Verses 16 and 17, If I then do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I do not rest the security of my soul upon my faithfulness to endure, but upon the Lord's faithfulness to perform his promise. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, for of all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Now there is a sweet promise contained in the 89th Psalm, reading verses 27 through 36. Also I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law, and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes, and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with a rod, and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. David, the king of Israel, was a great sinner. He was also a saint of God. He was more. He was a prophet. He was so human, but he felt secure. Hear him in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
The Lord has said so many times that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Deuteronomy 31, 6-8 Joshua 1 and 5 Hebrews 13 and 5 Matthew 28 and 20 to name a few places. David believed this. We hear him praising God in the 139th Psalm. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? I ascend up into heaven. Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. You notice that this short study was titled, I am the door. Jesus in John 10 and 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. This means so much to the sheep when they know about the old eastern sheepfold from which this analogy was drawn. The fold was generally a high rock-walled enclosure hedged with thorns. The wall was sufficient to keep out all animals of prey, but it had no gate. The shepherd was the door. The sheep were secure as the shepherd made them. He laid down in the doorway. When Jesus says, I'm the door, it means that we are as secure as he can make us. Would you propose a question about the Lord's will concerning his sheep or a question about his strength? I'm thinking now about an old saint who didn't believe in falling from grace. He wrote in 2 Timothy 1 and 12, For I know whom I have believed, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. In Philippians 1 and 6 he wrote, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now Jesus' record of keeping his saints according to the scriptures is good. As of the time of his prayer, just before his crucifixion, he hadn't lost a saint. In the Lord's Prayer recorded in John 17 and 12, he said, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Also we find in John 6 and 39, Jesus said, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. In the Lord's conversation with Nicodemus that night, he gave us the golden text of the Bible, John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When you believe and turn in repentance to God, a new being is born. You become one of the Lord's sheep, and you are taken into the fold. In John 10, 27 through 29, Jesus said of his sheep, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them 
eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. In John 5 and 24, Jesus spoke of the security of his sheep. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. This teaches us that eternal life is progressive from the time of belief and has no end. It seems logical to me that if God had only meant for man to have life until such a time as he fell away, then he would not have said eternal or everlasting life. The the very word means lasting forever. We need to summarize what God does for us when we are saved. First, we are born again, born of God. John 1 and 12, we find, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. A was born of incorruptible seed. 1 Peter 1 and 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Uh, As a new creature, not subject to sin, 1 John 3 and 9, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. 1 John 5 and 18 we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God unto the day of redemption. Ephesians 4 and 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. They were given the earnest of our inheritance. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession. The state of Arkansas recognizes earnest money. The law of our land recognizes earnest money in a contract. God has given us the earnest of the Spirit, to hold the deal until the redemption of the purchase procession. We have the witness of the Spirit, Romans 8 and 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 1 John 5 and 10 says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. 1 John 5 and 13 These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Number three, our names are written in heaven. 
Luke 10 and 20, Jesus said to his disciples who came back jubilant because they were able to cast out devils, he said, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hebrews 12 and 23 we find, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Number four, our lives are hid with Christ. is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Number five, we are preserved in Jesus Christ. In Jude 1, we find these words. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. Number six, we are kept by the power of God. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Jesus said of his sheep, John 10, 28, No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jude 24 says, we, we find a great comfort in these words. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now in Romans 8th chapter, verses 35 through 39, Paul mentions some things which can't, can't separate you from the love of God. He says, Who shall separate us? from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, our distress, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our peril, our sword, as it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did he leave anything to me it is evident from the scriptures that the Lord is not only to promise to bless his people in a spiritual way with inner peace with happiness with inner peace but that he is to promise them 
even as he promised his covenant people, the Jewish nation, that he would bless them in a material way. You go with me to the first song. Ever read, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I'd like for you to go with me also to the book of Proverbs, the third chapter. There we read, <clears throat> said that, that the Lord promised to bless his people both materially and spiritually. Here we promise length of days, long life, peace and prosperity for the keeping of the Lord's precepts and commandments. Even as in the fifth commandment, the Lord promised the Israelites length of days when they would honor their father and their mother. The fifth commandment, it was a commandment with promise. Here's the third chapter of the book of Proverbs. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days, long life and peace shall they add unto thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine old eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be wary of his correction. Whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father of the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, the man that giveth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, all the things that thou couldst desire not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Reading through the 18th verse of the third chapter of the book of Proverbs, where the Lord has promised us length of days, long life and peace, and prosperity. He said that wisdom is a tree of life. Oh, let me hold.
Father. The fear of the Lord is the very beginning of wisdom. Remember that we're in the hands of the Good Shepherd who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13 and 5 we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We are in the hands of the Good Shepherd who said, And we, for faithful service, could have a more abundant life. We're in the hands of the good shepherd who said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. If we know the Lord and follow him, we can repeat with David as we hear him from the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Yea, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The greatest promises that the Lord has left us is the promise, our hope of the resurrection. Hear the Lord's promise of this in John 14, 1 through 3. Now he said to his disciples whom he was about to leave, when it became necessary for him to leave this world, when it became expedient, uh, that he leave this world. He said, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there, ye may be also. Now our Lord has gone into the heavens. The disciple witnessed his departure from the Mount of Olives. They went out there and they saw him ascend into the heavens. Before he left, he said, Ye are my witnesses. Ye are to be my witnesses even from home, even to the uttermost parts of the world. How as I came according to the will of my Father and died for the sins of the whole world. Whosoever believeth in me might be saved. Now, Jesus has gone into the heavens. The disciples witnessed it. We have his promise that he will come again and receive us to himself. He will return as he promised in John 14 and 3. I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Where I am there ye may be also. Jesus, while he's here upon the earth, was careful to do his Father's will. He said, I delight to do thy will. Yea, my God, thy law is written within my heart. We read in the scripture that it is the will of the Father that we be raised up, we who believe in him. Be raised up is the last name. John, the sixth chapter, verses 39 and 40, Jesus said that this is the will of his Father that sent him, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last name. 
This is the will of him that sent me. He that seeth the Father and believeth on him shall have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Lord will return. And as he promised us, we look for his coming. We look toward the heavens from whence he departed. For it is, it is recorded in the prophecies that he will come again. He will come from the heavens. He will ascend. In Philippians 3 and 20 and 21 we read for our conversation. Our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body? that he may be fashioned like unto his glorious body by the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. In John 5 and 28 the writer speaks of all being resurrected. But there is an order to the resurrection. Revelations, the 20th chapter, verses 5 and 6 we read, and the rest of the dead live not again until a thousand years were fulfilled. Blessed and holy is he hath part in the first resurrection. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to you this evening from God's Word. And I earnestly covet your prayers as I speak to you this evening. I want to talk to you about God's precious promises and how they apply to God's people. And for a background for this study, will you go with me to the second Peter? Chapter 1. We read about seven or eight verses. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read again the fourth verse. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, 
that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want to talk to you, as I said, about the God's precious promises and how they to apply to God's people. <clears throat> now, first and foremost on my list, first and as pertains to priority, is the promise of eternal life. Life is the most precious thing that a man has. Jesus said one time, what will a man give in exchange for his life? The pages of history, when you examine them, tell us that there have been many men gone into eternity who did not have the promise of this eternal life that we're talking about now, who cried out in anguish and regret and despair for a little more time. Life is precious. Therefore, I consider the promise of eternal life, life everlasting, first on the list of God's precious promises to mankind. I remember reading from the scriptures about a Jew, a man named Nicodemus who was a ruler of the Jews, who came to our Lord by night. He had been impressed by the ministry of our Lord. He had been impressed that he, uh, by the miracles that he had done in his sight. He no doubt had seen him heal the sick, give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, possibly had seen him cleanse the lepers. If he had not seen it, he had heard of it. He knew that he even raised the dead. So he came to our Lord by night, and he called him Rabbi. He said, Rabbi, our master, teacher, we know that thou art our teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. I don't know what was in what was in the mind of Nicodemus, but if the same thing was in the mind of Nicodemus, that was the uppermost in the minds of most of the Orthodox Jews, when they thought of the kingdom of God, and that is what our Lord preached, kingdom of heaven, they immediately. Thought of the time when the Messiah would come and literally take the throne of David, reign over the house of Jacob in a glorious kingdom. And I don't know what it was in his mind, but Jesus did. 
So he got immediately to the most important thing. He said, Verily, verily I say unto thee, you must be born again. Nicodemus was puzzled. Scriptures tell us that Nicodemus apparently was puzzled. Jesus explained to him that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. But he said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. He gave unto Nicodemus, he gave unto us the golden text of our Bible. We promise of eternal life to those that believe. Recorded in John 3 and 16, we find, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Go with me through the scriptures to some places where the promise is repeated and emphasized. In John 5 and 24 we read, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. This teaches me when a man by repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ when he believes that from the point of belief he has eternal life that eternal life is progressive from, the po from, from that moment that a man believes and that it has no end this seems logical to me that if Jesus had only intended, God had only intended for man to have life until such a time that he fall away, that he would not said, I give unto thee eternal life. The word, very word means lasting forever. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. But is passed from death unto life. Great promise of everlasting life. Hath is present tense. You have at this time, if you believe. Thou shalt shalt not is a positive statement of, of the future. That you will never be condemned. Jesus said, I am the door. Tenth chapter of the book of John, uh, he explained that he had innocent by the door as a shepherd of the sheep. Two verses of this chapter, and the last time he mentioned it was verse 9. He said, I am the door of the sheep. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. 
She'll go in and out and find pasture. I believe that the sweet promise of eternal life is a positive promise of eternal security. John 10, 27 through 29, we read, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So God's people, those who have believed those who have repented of their sins and trusted Christ for salvation have the promise of eternal life. God has promised to raise him up. Jesus has committed under Jesus, God has committed under Jesus Christ that he raised him up at the last day. And this same chapter, 10th chapter of John, We read in verse 10, John 10 and 10, I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. So in the scriptures I see the promise. Many promises, in fact, of a more abundant life. But I'm here to tell you this evening upon the authority of God's word, God's promises are unconditioned. Our keeping of his precepts and commandments. But you have the promise. If you will be faithful, of a more abundant life. We see many confessed Christians today who are unhappy. We see many confessed Christians today who evidently are not enjoying the promises which the Lord has made us of a more abundant life. So I believe it behooves us this evening to look into these promises, promises that of life and, and, and more abundant life. I know that the Lord said if any man would come after him, that he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. Follow him. Luke, the 14th chapter, he said, When a man come unto me and hate not his father and mother, wife and children, sister and his brothers, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I'm glad I've discovered that that means not hate as we here in Arkansas commonly think of the word hate, but it means that we love less. It means then simply that we must love Christ more. If we love Christ enough to follow him, 
We must forsake all and follow him. Forsake all in the respect that we love him best. He must come first in our lives. In the book of Colossians we read that God has ordained that Jesus Christ come first. He has made him, if you please, be the door of the church. Firstborn from the dead. Firstborn of every creature. Poems reflect the attitude of the author of the general apathy and liberal attitude of many church people who profess to know the Lord, who confess to salvation. The first is wanted. Wanted some people that love the Lord, who really are God's true sheep, to remember the warnings found in his word and rouse themselves from sleep. Our Lord commanded while he yet walked the earth to remember to watch and pray. If this warning was timely when Jesus was here, how urgent, how urgent today. How sad to remember that Jesus once said, with the love of many wives cold, and Satan's allurements increase on the earth for the man of sin works bold. Now we see this word of our Lord come true. Can his people despise his word? Yet many, it seems, have forsaken his cause and even the house of the Lord. True many are lured from the house of the Lord for entertainment that Satan provides to draw them away from the vineyard of God to annul their witness for Christ. Satan walks through the world like a raging lion, seeking the souls of men. While they are deceived by his angels of light, caught in the pitfalls of sin. Many battle in life for security, peace. Some are tempted by worldly fame. They sacrifice contentment, which only Jesus can give, to the faithful who call on his name. Some strive for wealth, for getting their vows, as they strive for earthly gains, goals. But they find that their money they owed to the Lord was put into bags with holes. Don't forget that the Lord, in his mercy and love, has promised to chasten his child and bring him to terms of correction at last though he suffers his manners a while. As a brother who loves you, pray let me exhort, cease from the love of this world, for the things you are choosing will soon come to naught, and your time to amend is short. Turn ye, turn ye, in repentance to God. Seek his face as before. The Lord will enfold you in the arms of his love and give you true peace once more. Come with his people to the house of the Lord. Add your
cattle to the city of light, join in the labor in the vineyard of God. The harvest truly is white. The next, a morning prayer. I wait to see the light of day. Good morning, Lord, my heart does save. I'm glad to see the day so bright. Thanks for thy watch care through the night. When I first view the newborn day, with careful means, with thankful heart, I wonder what it holds for me, ere shall from time depart. And when I think of yesterdays, O precious Lord, to thee I cling, for sin can wound a thousand ways, and we know not what a day may bring. True, Satan bears a mighty sway. His beauty leads the heart astray. His mind can plan seductive charms, and destruction lingers in his arms. Lord, let me walk with thee today, and also meek and humble be, lest Satan from his realms that be send forth an imp to buffet me. Lord, I would circumspectly walk, pray, order thou my way, and may no sin dominion have throughout this lifelong day. And while I'm trudging life's hard road, beset with woes and fears, I'd like to manifest a hope beyond this veil of tears. I'd love to shed a little light in this dark veil of strife and cause some name to written be in heaven's book of life. Lord, let me more thy beauty see and busy in thy vineyard be, for I will lose my life today and find it. Lord, in thee. In the vineyard of the Lord, today I rise up early, just at the people morn, to till my little garden, the vegetables, the corn. I toil, I sweat, I worry, I'm anxious for the yield. I'm very, very faithful to work my little field. I plow, I hoe, I water, I fertilize and tend. With all my might and wisdom, I ever effort men. We sow, we work, we nourish, we labor with the sod, but the bounty of the harvest had remained with God. He sends the precious sunshine, the first, the latter rain, and when he smiles upon us, we reap the golden grain. I know we all should labor. We know the Lord has said it should be by sweat and effort. For thus shalt thou eat bread. But while we work our gardens with might, we can't afford to slide our other garden, the vineyard of the Lord. For God is the Lord of the harvest, and he blesses in a special way those who love and serve him, who don't forget to pray. So while we work with vigor to eat, to slake our thirst, let's pray to the Lord of the harvest and put his vineyard first. Then face to face, Master, I've asked for strength each day that I might care for those who look to me. May help to help some stranger on the way to ever in our vineyard busy be. Thou gavest me the strength it blessed my heart and if the things I ask it for have trailed, my Lord, there is no failure on thy part, but only in thy 
servant that has failed. And I beg for courage through the years that I might not fear to face the foes of right, do the thing that is right despite the sneers, join with our faithful servants in the fight. Dear Lord, it is yet for courage that I plead. Faint grows this timid heart when you retire. But when I walk with thee, thou art my every need, and courage set this fainting heart on fire. Lord, walk with me, and lead by thy right hand. For I would feel thy presence day and night. Let faith and courage hold me like a band. And I shall walk by faith and not by sight. I know life is a course that may be won. Pray let wisdom guide my earthly race. For I long to hear thee, Master, say, Well done, when I one day shall meet thee face to face. I my post 62. Dear Lord, I've come so far, so far on life's brief road. Thus far, the trail's been strewn with joy or tears. But all the rugged way, I've sought thee every day. And thou hast been my keeper all these years. Even in the tender, carefree days of childhood, when my precious mother held me at her knee, she made me look above. She told me of thy love. She did attribute all good things to thee. Then later I moved to face the world. Before I would in life's hard school enroll, I came to thee for life to end the inner strife. Since then I've known sweet peace within my soul. I have not sought to win the world's esteem or have my picture in the Hall of Fame, but I place my lighted wick upon the candlestick. I've sought to glorify thy matchless name. My Lord, my life for thee no prophet shows. All my people efforts out in sea. But you led me through the maze, through life's many peerless ways. I know my steps were ordered, Lord, by thee. You gave a faithful wife to help me in this life. Her children all were wanted and were loved. Oft in my need, my woe, like arrows for my bow. They have their love for Father, often food. I've lived most of my sojourn here, I know, and though my days have evil been and few, I've lived in health and strength, and now I've come at length down to my post 62. Dear Master, you can see I'm going weak. But thou hast all this strength, I trust in thee. Would it not vex thy will? Dear Lord, sustain me still, and walk with me to my post. 63. What kind of a church? What kind of a church would my church be if every member were just like me? It's the light I bear was the light of each. How far from the hill would our light reach? Lord said, go into all the world. How far have I marched with his flag unfurled? How far have I gone in the faith unfeigned to aid the poor? Have I been constrained by the word of God, his precepts meet, to support the church in its mission sweet? 
How far could we hope to cast away or the restless sea of life today? To guide some lost stranger to the shore, to abide the rock forevermore, what kind of constraint could we hope to hold? If the influence yielded by each of the foes, or as far man could only be, as appealing my neighbor has for me. Jesus calls us o'er the strife, out from this world's vain restless life. He gave his all, his all for me. What have I given, Lord, for thee? What have I given, Lord, for thee, as a heathen might thy portion be? Do I give my life, time, my means, myself, or have I laid my calling on the shelf? Do I sacrifice my Lord to please, or seek my own sad, selfish ease? As I look back on the work I've done, it's still good light of a waning sun. My hope of reward by the precious word could my trophy hang by a feeble cord. How will it be when my time has come, when the Lord shall desire to call me home? Well, I by faith have fought a good fight, stood by the cause of truth and right. May I go expecting the star's crown, which I shall at the feet of Christ lay down, for it shall be given for the cause I proved, for the light I've shed to a world he loved. What kind of a church would my church be if every member was just like me? I love to hear the church bell ring. I love to hear the church bell ring sound out its message loud and clear. We meet to pray and preach and sing, inviting people far and near. I love to hear the church bell ring. God lives, God lives, it chimes. His people meet again today. Come meet with us betimes. On Sunday, hear the church bell, bell's clear tone. Bestir your sluggish clod. Six days you had to seek your own. This day belongs to God. God made for us a day of rest. Let's serve him with our them. In our six days we did our best. Let's do our best for him. Oh, hear the bell, oh, hear the bell. And heed its urgent call. Bring now your gifts while all is well. Lay on the altar all. This is the day the Lord has made rejoice anew. Remember, God has said that we can come, our strength renew, for days that lie ahead. Tolls a bell, tolls a bell, Christ's story to diffuse. For the love of you and me, God let him die. And if there was no sound to bear the news, no doubt the rocks would cry. I love to hear the church bell ring at length. To me it's for the voice of God instead. Until the time we shall hear it in its strength. So loud to even wake the righteous dead. I love to hear the church bell ring. God lives, God lives, it chimes. His people meet again today. Come meet with us the time. The things you do and the things you say, 
You interest me, friend, as day by day I walk with you along life's way. I've known your life in work and play, the things you do and the things you say. I meet you often, strike your hand, in communion sweet with a kindred band. And you warm my heart day after day with the things you do and the things you say. I'm strengthened, friend, in the inner man. As you praise the Lord and praise for man, and the things you do as you walk away, do not belie the things you say. When I meet you at home or any place, the fear of God lights up your face. Pride or boldness, not a sign, but wisdom makes your face to shine. With never a gripe or sore complaint, but a helping hand that loves constraint. You inspire me, friend, with your lowly walk, your deeds of love, and your godly talk. And I vow to honor the God on high, who made the earth, the sea, the sky, and so controls your life today, the things you do and the things you say. As every cloud is silver lining, as every cloud is silver lining, is there light above the gloom? Or need the storm that blows beneath it spell to us our certain doom? Fierce be the storms that try us mortals in our fleeting sojourn here. They in their wild tornadic fury and cause the stoutest hearts to fear. When life's storms loom down upon us, doubts and fears our hearts are on, is there for us no isle of safety from the fury of the storm? Is there no rainbow to remember, to remind us of God's love, to tell us that this storm is passing, that the sun still shines above? When the sea of life is stormy and the boisterous waves we fear, is there for us no place to harbor? Is there no rock of ages near? I'm glad that there is the rock of ages. It's sure safe harbor from the strife, for we're safe from fears and doubting that plague us in the storms of life. You will make the Lord your habitation. He will keep you all the way. He will help you look beyond the darkness to the light of perfect day. In this low land of thorns and thistles, where darkness turns our day to night and veils the pathway out before us, we must walk by faith and not by sight. And now by faith I see the rainbow. How could my heart presume to doubt? By faith I see the silver lining that we have talked so much about. As every cloud is silver lining, faint hearts look up, let hope and fall. God gives to some a lovely rainbow, but a silver lining to them all. Life is like a river. The river runs by cities and towns and farms and mills. It broadens with the burden of a thousand different rails. From out the restless mountains, the quick and turbid flow, down to the peaceful valley where the rushing waters flow. Now life is like a river, it is lived in many lands, it bears and broadens ever, expending many hands. At first is youth tempestuous, reveling and in fun, with no restraint pretended, 
this cataract and run, as many a watchful witness, as many a turn and drop, down to life's peaceful waters where the swirling eddies stop, past many a watchful witness, past many an anxious eye, as scans the whited waters, as friends and kin go by, past many a gushing fountain that flows into life's stream, and down youth's dizzy mountain, these serve the youthful dream. There are whirlpools in the river, these represent the strife. They will return forever, these whirlpools of life, as long as rivers hurry, as long as young men strive. We must tolerate the flurry, we sink, we rise, survive. O oh, ye that in the valley your peaceful route survey, look toward the misty mountain, in pity think of me. I brave the foggy waters of nature's turbid main, a victim of the current of youth's own flowing main. Behold the whited waters that race into the fall, the tumult of their voices bid fair to silence all. But when I gain my vision, or catch a furtive gleam, I cast my glass in envy on ye that sail the plain. For behold the fallen waters, when they have leaped the shore, the rest of tranquil silence can still the troubled soul. When I shall reach life's valley and bid the strife adieu, I pray that I'll be thankful to him who brought me through and promises to guide me and never let me be through one more dark river and set my spirit free. God being my helper. God being my helper, I will work and watch and wait and pray. I write his precepts on my heart walk humbly every day. I can't forget the roaring waves that gnashed upon my soul now the awful guilt that pierced me through before he made me whole. I yet astonish at his grace, his love that lifted me and placed me safely on the rock amid life's raging sea. I won't forget the vows I made when in my dark despair the pangs of hell were hold of me and I so lonely there. I stood so far, so far from God so vile, so vile was I. I looked to the right and to the left, no help, condemned to die. No arm of flesh could help me then, no mortal comfort give. But then I heard a still small voice that bade me look and live, bade me look toward the cross, where Jesus died that I, vile and sinful though I was, might never, never die. Then I knew that it was my sins that nailed him to the tree, and God turned his back upon his son because of you and me. My soul was melted then in grief. The penance tore me sore. And I felt a mighty change from what I was before. Mighty peace came over me, possessed my heart and mind. A peace that only the God of love can give to humankind. God wrought salvation for me, and peace had come to stay. Thanksgiving overflowed my heart, still overflows today. I would not trade the peace I know and hope I have in God for the title to this sinful world and the right to trade it sought. I meet his people when they meet. I lift my voice to sing 
and swell the anthem of our praise to my eternal King. God being my helper, I will work and watch and wait and pray. I'll write his precepts on my heart, walk humbly every day. Lord, give me strength. Give me not a weak soul sorrow for the past, but an inward strong inducement to be true to all dependent duties of tomorrow and hope to win today where I lost last. Give me faith to look beyond the cloud that hides, beyond this fearful dark and thunders loud to where the sun is bright, to where in calm the pride of powerful industry abides. May I stand serene when panic rakes the throng, when Satan for the souls of men contends, that I may judge between the right and wrong, that I be not used for Satan's selfish ends. Lord, lend me zeal and teach us times as when hell's forces would draw back in fainted peace, when Christ's veterans lack their vigilance for sin, seeking from the war short release, then I would stand the servant of my king, as a faithful warrior by his battle station stands, waiting for the trump to sound his clarion ring, clothed in the armor God commands, ready with truth belt about my cloak, my feet made ready with God's precious word. About my neck, God's easy, pleasant yoke, and righteousness to go and face the sword. And faith shall be my shield and God my strength. The sword and the spirit wields my strong defense. Salvation's helmet shall proclaim my cause, and then victory is a promised consequence. Lord, lend me strength to walk the narrow way, and help my neighbor with his feeble need. So walking I would never, never stray, but I would walk so close, so close to thee. Master, tis a simple life I plan, while you so sweetly nurse me on this sod, to watch and wait, to love my fellow man, resisting sin, to seek and fear my God. Of all sad things, of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest of these it might have been. Of all sad thoughts we can't forget, saddest are those tinged with regret. Of a thing or things we could have done, seen the crisis or seen the battle won, or things we did for shame, for shame, which we would never do again. Seems in this low land and dark, a man is prone to miss the mark, and do the things he should not do. It's so with me, it's so with you. And oft in our good time of grace, we fail to seek the Father's face. Then we find that we have failed to do some things the Master asked us to. Then burdened with our failures, yet the head is bowed in shame. While in tears of sad regret we call the Master's name, while their sore penance knelt, bowed down in grief and tears, though we weep for shame, we often felt down through these fleeting years, 
God bends in tender mercy, low. The heart is lightly sore, compassion in the outstretched hand, and go and sin no more. Forgiveness, sure, and God forgets. But brother, how about you? Can you push aside your sad regrets and move them far from you? No, you cannot, and I cannot. Only the you are I. Some things we do against the Lord are with us till we die. There is one way that you can smile and walk in sweet accord, lay treasure of the precious word, and yoke you up with God. So remember, as you trudge the steeps of this sad terrestrial sphere, that you must save yourself some grief by your behavior here.